Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel and our online service. So glad that you have tuned in. If this is your first time or one of your first times, I just want to say welcome. Uh, glad you're here. Glad you're a part of our online community. Um, I want to start just by reading a couple of verses, and this is from Psalm 91. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So I just want to remind you, at a time when things may seem like they are out of control, God is still solid. He is your refuge. And this is a great time to be a follower of Jesus because our destiny is absolutely secure. Because it's secure not in anything that we have done, but in what Jesus has done for us. Believe that. Rest in that. Have confidence in God now. This too will pass. All right? Okay. This is uh, Palm Sunday. That means next week is Easter. We are going to provide a great Easter service online for you to watch wherever you're at. But I also want you to know that our real Easter will be when everybody gets to gather back together and we gather as a church family. That will be epic. Uh, we will have baptisms and communion and worship and teaching. It will be wonderful to all be back together again. Look forward to that time. All right? All right, but this is Palm Sunday. It's actually the end of our series on the Ten Commandments. It's been a great series, I think. I have learned a ton. I hope you have too. It's been interesting to look at the commandments from kind of a different point of view, to, to look, at, look for love, which is what Jesus said we would find in each and every rule and law and commandment in this book, the Bible. And so we've been doing that. We come now to the last of the ten. And it's actually uh, more appropriate than you might think for such a time as this. I think you'll see. Uh, let me go ahead and read the commandment for you. This is what it says. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. This is God's word. All right, I want to cover three questions when it comes to coveting. I want to answer the question, what is it, or why is it, and what's the solution for it? What is coveting, why do we covet, and what's the solution for it? All right, first, what is it? Coveting is, is not just wanting something. If you paid attention to the text, it's wanting something someone else has. It's a, a longing it's a thirst, it's a, a grasping, it's an inner conviction that if you had that, then you would be happy, then you would be okay. Coveting is actually the exact opposite of contentment. Uh, coveting is, is not stealing, it's not murder, it's not adultery, it comes before any of those. Coveting is this idea that if only I had that, then I would be content. It's actually a very interesting commandment. The last few commandments have been very, very short. I mean, you, you shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not commit adultery. 
You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie, right? And then all of a sudden this one, and he goes into a bunch more detail. He, shall, he says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, then your neighbor's wife, and then your neighbor's donkey and manservant, maidservant, and all the other stuff. I'm going to divide that into three categories. And this is kind of answering the question, why do we covet? There are three main things we look to. Uh, in our culture right now that we think might fill us up, might make us content. And the first thing is he says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. A house is a status. There is nothing that screams status better than a big house. Sometimes it's easy to look at something that someone else has, some status, some accomplishment, some goal, and think, if only I could do that, then I would be content. I recently uh, watched a documentary, fascinating, on the heavyweight boxer Tyson Fury. He is the new heavyweight champion of the world. It's actually the second time he has become the heavyweight champion. In the documentary, uh, he had dreamed of becoming the heavyweight champion of the world ever since he took up boxing as a little boy. And he first became the heavyweight champion when he was 26 years old, when he defeated Vladimir Klitschko. And this is what he said in the documentary. He said, after he won the coveted, interesting word, the coveted heavyweight belt, when he was on his way from the locker room to the press conference to celebrate, he said he started to sink into a deep, dark depression. And the question is why? And the answer is, it didn't work. His whole life had been committed to achieving a single goal that he was sure if he ever did achieve it, it would make him content. And he found himself empty. Listen, when you look at something and you say, if only I had that promotion, if only I had that position, if only I had his career or her career, then I would be happy. What scripture says, then you are grasping for something that will not fill you up. The second thing in this commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's spouse. And boy, that is romance. And if there's anything in our American culture that we teach people, it's that if you find that perfect person, then you will be content. Boy, all the shows from Bachelor to the Bachelorette, holy cow. Everything we are teaching people is to say, if you can only find that, what's interesting, if, if you follow the, you know, the Bachelor or the Bachelorette, you will find that it never works, right? Because even if you find that person that you think is that perfect mate, then you will crush them to dust by putting them under the pressure to keep you content and happy every day of your life for the rest of your life. Who can stand up under that kind of pressure? The third thing that this commandment mentions is everything else, uh, the donkeys and the manservants and the maidservants, all the other possessions. And that's the other thing that we look to. We think maybe that will fill us up. I don't know if you've ever kind of fixated on a particular possession, maybe a particular car. I'm, a, I'm an avid cyclist. So it might, for me, be a particular bicycle that I just think, oh, man, if only I had that 
bike. If only I had that car. Why, I'd be so happy. And if you've ever gotten that particular possession, then you realize it, it works for a little bit until the newness wears off and the new smell leaves your car. And then you, you're back to that same longing, that same thirst. And that brings me to the third thing. What's the solution for it? C.S. Lewis has an interesting quote. He says, if you have a desire deep down inside of you that nothing in this world can satiate, that means you were made for something else. If you have a desire deep down inside of you that status and romance and possessions will not satiate, it means you were created for something else or someone else. It's interesting that Paul the Apostle was driven to Jesus because of the 10th commandment. If you read Romans 7, Paul says, basically, when he looked at all the other commandments, the first nine, he felt pretty good about himself. But he got to the 10th, and it buckled him because he realized he had never been content. He was always striving, always grasping, always hungry, always thirsty. And what's great about Paul is that he writes about that in Romans 7. And then in Philippians 4, he writes this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. That's a great word. A secret is something that not everyone has or everyone knows. But a secret is something everyone wants to have. A secret is something everyone wants to know. And Paul said he found that secret. Wouldn't it be great at a time like this in our world, in our country, in our community, when everything seems out of control, to have the secret? And Paul says the secret is a person, and that secret is Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says this, and I'm just going to paraphrase. Paul says, you know what I've learned? I've learned that I don't have to care what, what anyone thinks of me. And then he says, I don't even care what I think of me. He says, I only care what God thinks of me. And when God thinks of me because of what Jesus has done for me, then I am fully loved and fully known. Jesus is the secret to contentment because through his life, death, and resurrection, he offers what all the other things just promise but don't deliver. Romance promises that you will be loved. You will be known and loved for all of eternity. Jesus says, I will do that. I have already done that. I have already proven my love for you, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Status promises to fill you up, but Jesus says, I have the power to make you a son of God, to make you a daughter of God, a status that will never, ever change, that will elevate you to the highest status you can possibly be and keep you there forever. 
possessions, promises to fill you up. But Jesus says, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places I give to you. Every single thing that is mine becomes yours eventually. Unbelievable. Listen, we come to this, the 10th commandment. The first commandment says this, have no other gods before me. The last commandment, they are like bookends. If we keep that first commandment, if we really have no other gods but God, the result is that we will be content and not be coveting everything that we see around us. We will have that longing that is deep down inside of us, that thirst finally slaked. Jesus says, if you are thirsty, you can come to me and I will give you drink. All right. In Matthew chapter 22, a man walks up to Jesus and asks him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing to God? Without hesitation, Jesus says, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let the love of God course through you because of Jesus and what he has done in such a way that it gushes out of you back to God and to all the people around you. And you will find that this is the very best time ever to be a follower of Jesus. And you will have people coming to you and asking you, what is your secret? And you can tell them, Jesus. Because for our God, and for all of us here at CCC, love matters most. I just want you to know that I love you and I am so glad that you are a part of this church. Let me go ahead and pray for us now. Father in heaven, we come to you and we are so grateful for these, the Ten Commandments, grateful for what they have taught us. But we are more grateful that you have sent your son so that we don't have to try to keep a bunch of rules in order to please you but that through Jesus, you have given yourself to us in such a way that your love for us has already been demonstrated, that we are fully known, fully loved, that we can be content in you. I pray that you will make us a people that are so much different than the people around us, that we are able to love the people around us in such a way they will come to us and ask us for our secret, and we can tell them Jesus. Thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.